The following audio is from the Grove Church Marysville campus. For more information about our church or to listen to previous sermons, check out our website at grove.church. Every time I hear that music, I'm telling you, I got moves, you guys. Breakdance moves you've never seen before. I'll blow your mind, so just kidding. I'm just joking. No, just kidding. I need a cardboard so I can do the backspin and all that, but a little helicopter for you. Um, hey, uh, before we jump in today, I want to say, I want to mention something that um, really is dear to my heart. We have uh, a gal in our church that was 97 years old, Sylvia Austin. She passed away this week. And um, just to let you know, if you maybe knew her, um, there is a celebration of her life in here at 11 a.m. on Friday. And uh, man, I just tell you, she's been a pillar. And what I love about it is that it really will be a celebration of life because for a couple of years now, she's been like, I'm just ready to go home. I just want to go home. And so it's one of those things where, man, incredible lady, uh, love Jesus, all kinds of stories. Every time we'd visit her and hang out and spend time just hearing stories of uh, missions work that her and her husband were part of in India and just things that they had done uh, over the years. Just so, so fun. So anyway, uh, that's happening. And in a, in a weird way, uh, I, not really in a weird way. I'm really looking forward to celebrating her life because she's been amazing. So anyway, uh, we're in a series called Life Multiplied. Today is part six. It's actually our last in our series. And um, we're going to be in First Chronicles 29 and then Matthew chapter six. If you got a Bible, you could turn there. If you got a smartphone, you can go there as well. Uh, Bible app on there and then it'll be on the screen. Last week, I discussed the the building um, of the temple under King Solomon. And what we talked about is when you bring the word temple into the New Testament, it's understanding that you and I are the temple. And so we talked about how we treat our temple and the fact that the idea of like being healthy really is an important part of our stewardship of what God has entrusted to us. And, and what I want to do today is actually take a step further back and, and talk about David. Solomon uh, built the temple, but David was his dad, King David, and David actually helped provide to prepare the way for the building of the temple. And we're going to talk about a couple of things, but it says in First Chronicles 29, we'll go ahead and jump in in verse um, 1, Then King David turned to the entire assembly and said, My son Solomon, who God has clearly chosen as the next king of Israel, is still young and inexperienced. The work ahead of him is enormous, for the temple he will build is not for mere mortals, it is for the Lord God himself. Using every resource at my command, I have gathered as much as I could for building the temple of my God. Now there is enough gold, silver, bronze, iron, and wood, as well as great quantities of onyx, other precious stones, costly jewels, and all kinds of fine stone and marble. And now, because of my devotion to the temple of my God, I'm giving all of my own private treasures of gold and silver to help in the construction. This is in addition to the building materials I've already collected for his holy Temple. I'm donating more than 112 tons of gold from Ophir and 262 tons of refined silver to be used for overlaying the walls of the buildings and for other gold and silver work to be done by the craftsmen. Now, then who will follow my example and give offerings to the Lord today? Then the family leaders, the leaders of the tribes of Israel, the generals, captains of the army, and the king's administrative officers all gave willingly for uh, the construction of the temple of God. They gave about 188 tons of gold, 10,000 gold coins, 375 tons of silver, 675 tons of bronze, 
3,750 tons of iron. They also contributed numerous precious stones which were deposited in the treasury of the house of the Lord under the care of Jehiel, a descendant of Gershon. The people rejoiced over the offerings for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord and King David was filled with joy. God, today as we talk about life multiplied, part of us understanding living life abundantly is really the stewardship of our finances, of our resources. And my prayer is that all of us in the midst of a world that can be Become jaded or misunderstands finances or has been manipulated in church or whatever, that God, we can open our hearts to God how this can be processed, how we steward what you've entrusted to us financially, because it does matter and is a portion of how we're wired to live life multiplied. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So here we are, and, and as we jump in, this is obviously, as I said, David who, who is, is reminding the people of Solomon's responsibility to build the temple. But he talks about his own example of what it means to prepare the way and then charges uh, the people together, what are we going to do because we're all in this And then as you get to uh, verses 10 through 20, I'm going to read, not through 20, when you get to verse 10, um, I'm going to read a little bit more, and I want to make a couple of points that I think are important to make. It says, Then David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly. O Lord God of our ancestor Israel, may you be praised forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. Everything in the heavens and on earth is yours, O Lord, and this is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is over all things. Wealth and honor come from you alone, for you rule over everything. Power and might are in your hand, and at your discretion people are made great and given strength. O our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name, but who am I? And who are my people that we could give anything to you? Everything we have comes from you, and we give only what you first gave us. We're here for only a moment, visitors and strangers in the land as our ancestors were before us. Our days on earth are like a passing shadow, gone so soon without a trace. Verse 16, O Lord our God, even this material we have gathered to build a temple to honor your holy name comes from you. It all belongs to you. I know, my God, that you examine our hearts and rejoice when you find integrity there. And so I want to talk today about this conversation, eternal investment, and what this looks like in the picture that I think would be healthy for all of us to kind of walk through. But the first thing I want to start with is what David says in verse 14, and then he repeats kind of in a different way in verse 16. In verse 14, he says, but who am I and who are my people that we could give anything to you? And here's the principle. Everything we have has come from you. We give you only what you first gave us. In verse 16, even this material we have gathered to build a temple to your honor and your holy name comes from you. It all belongs to you. This is not an Old Testament understanding of stuff. This is a biblical understanding that applies even to today. That everything that God has given to us, we're stewards of, we're not owners of. And that's a big deal because in church world, if you're familiar with church at all, or you know, on Sundays we'll have someone come up and, hey, we're going to collect the giving today. We're going to collect tithes. We're going to collect offerings. And, and people, I'm going to give and whatever they do. And, and, and people give. And what happens is, okay, I gave that to the Lord. Now the rest is mine. When the right understanding is this, 
100% of what God has given us is what he's entrusted to us, not as owners, but as stewards. How we spend our resources on every level matters, not just this idea that, well, we give God this much and the rest is ours. All of it David says, is God's. In fact, Psalm 24, 1 says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. It's all God's. Another text will say he gives us the ability to build wealth and, 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 and gain things and stuff like that. But the first thing is this, the Lord is trusting me with his resources. I am simply a manager. And if you're taking notes, I would encourage you to write that down. The Lord is trusting me with his resources. I am simply a manager. Pastor Randy Alcorn wrote a book years ago, and I had read it back then and read it a couple of times since, but I was refreshing my mind in this conversation, putting my notes together. It's called The Treasure Principle, and I'm going to quote a few different things from what he has to say, but I love this. He says, if God is the owner, I'm the manager. I need to adopt a steward's mentality towards the assets he has entrusted, not given to me. A steward manages assets for the owner's benefit. The steward carries no sense of entitlement to the assets that he manages. It's his or her job to find out what the owner wants done with his assets, then carry out his will. The Lord is trusting all of us with his resources. We are simply managers. Now, understanding how do we manage, let's go ahead and take step two, which is this. Generosity is the Lord's heart, and you and I are called to reflect him. See, we talk all the time about, hey, whether you live in an apartment complex or condo units or you live in a neighborhood or whatever, how you exist in that place matters because you're a reflection of your heavenly father to people that maybe don't yet know who Jesus is. And so how you exist, whether you wave or have conversation or scowl or growl, you know, ignore or whatever, it matters. How you exist at work, how you carry yourself within your own family when you gather for Christmas or whatever matters because you are called to be a reflection of our heavenly father because we want people to see jesus can i hear an amen and so it matters generosity is god's heart and we reflect him the fact of the matter is this a heart touched by god wants to give jesus reminded the crowd on a hillside in what we term the sermon on the mount as thousands are gathered he says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and rust or vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For, and this is a principle, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Somebody once said it this way, show me your checkbook and I'll show you your heart that kind of idea of wherever your money goes, that's where your heart ends up being. And Jesus is warning us that it's not wrong for you and I to pay our bills and be responsible and, and live thinking about what we need to do with our lives and stewards of what we have, but are we living generously? Are we storing up treasures in heaven by giving towards things that are eternal or are our resources only about our ability to exist and do what we want and have what we want and go where we want? 
Does our heart reflect the heart of God? For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, when you continue in this text, it seems like Jesus is changing the conversation and then he goes back to the money side of it in just a moment, but he doesn't. It's all the same conversation, okay? He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Then he says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If the light within you is darkness, then how great is that darkness? Stop there. We read that and go, he's talking about, like I kind of said a moment ago, as you and I exist in this world to walk around and do what we do, are we shining the light of Christ? Do we have a smile on our faces? Are we looking like we have joy or are we scowling? And we read that and that's what we think that he's talking about. And he's not. He's actually talking about the same financial conversation, the same conversation about treasure. Because what he's really saying is this. The eye, let me go back, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, another word is generous, looking for ways to reflect your heavenly father, living generously. How can I be a blessing? If your eyes are generous, your whole body will be full of light. How many in here have kids? Just raise your hands. Yeah, a lot of us have kids. I have kids between the ages of eight and 16. We have four kids. And I remember when I was a kid, Christmas was awesome. I remember having my little Christmas list and here's some wish things and here's some things I want. And I remember um, I was into to, you know, bikes with pegs and doing tricks and all that stuff and you know, want to have a great bike. And one of the things on my list one year was mag wheels. And as a kid, I don't know why, but I wanted mag wheels. And I remember one year tearing open this box and it had brand new mag wheels in it and I was over the moon like, yeah, I got the wheels. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I remember another year when I was younger, I loved Legos and one of the things on my list was the Lego airport. The Lego airport, there was like, you know, Lego gas station, you know, Lego police station, Lego airport, right? I put it on my list thinking, I don't know. And I got the Lego airport and man, I was like, yeah, Lego airport, this is awesome. But you know what happened as I got older? Once we had kids, it, it was way more, and it's been this way ever, way more about what I'm getting them because I'm excited for them to open their gifts. Is anybody else with me? If you're not, you need to repent. Anyway, so. <laughs> but, but honestly, like even this year is a great example. My kids have their little lists, and usually there's like one kind of bigger gift, and then there's smaller gifts and whatever. And so one of the big gifts on, on my daughter's list was a new jacket. And she had kind of described what kind of jacket and whatever. And so Heather and I are out the mall, and we're trying to find the right jacket. And I go into this store, and I'm like, there, it's like angels are singing, and it's lit up, and like, that's the one, you know. And um, like, babe, we found it. And it was a little more than maybe we wanted to spend. We're like, you know, she's worth it, we think. Anyway, but so, so we, we get the jacket. We're all excited. And of course, Christmas comes and I'm, I, she's going to open it. This is awesome. We found it. I found it. I did it. And so she, she you know, tears it open and I'm all excited. Like, <laughs> you know, and uh, I didn't make that noise. But so I'm all excited and she opens it up. She's like, oh, oh, that's all I get is oh. Like, you don't, you don't love it? I mean, hug it, something. Wrap your arms around me, jump, something. Oh. Long and the short of it, she took it back. Now, here's the thing for me. I was like, yes! She's gonna, I found it! And she's like, oh. Okay, now, here's the thing. When I buy gifts for people, literally, and I've told my wife this, I will buy you all kinds of gifts. You can take all of it back. I just want you to know I'm trying. 
And by the way, guys, that's a good lesson for you. I'm perfect like that. Anyway, no, just kidding. But, but honestly, like, I just say take it. So I told her, babe, it's okay. I thought you would love it, but it's okay. You can take it back. It's no big deal. And so she took it back. Another example, same Christmas this last year, my son Jack goes, Dad, I really want an Xbox One. Well, those are pretty expensive, and I play the old dad card. Hey, don't you already have a Wii? You know, you already have one of those game systems. You know, typical old dad, like, you already got that old, whatever. So I, all the way to Christmas, I'm like, no, buddy, you already have a game system. What do you need another one for? Whatever. And he even uh, uh, had talked to us, like, I've already saved up half. I got half. If you just put the, I, I would love it. I'm like, buddy, you're not getting an Xbox One. I'm sorry. I don't, and I, even on, like, on Christmas Eve, I'm like, bud, I, I don't want you to be disappointed tomorrow. And yet I already know that we bought two of them because we got, like, a, a deal, and then we found a better deal. So we've got two in our house, like, oh man, this is awesome. So, so what I did was we wrapped it up and I put my daughter's name on it. Because, you know kids, like they'll grab the box and go, that's the right size, the right weight, it makes the right noise, you know? And so I put my daughter's name on it. So we get into Christmas and opening gifts and the kid, hey, this is cool, great. And my daughter's like, oh, anyway, so. But we, we, we get to the last gift and it's, it's in M's lap and it had her name on it, but it was for Jack. And I already told her days before, like, Hey, I'm going to put your name on this, but it's not yours. It's Jack. Do not open it. And so here's Jack and he's trying his best to be happy about Christmas, right? <laughs> he's 13. He's trying. And so, so M's about to open her last gift and it's not really hers. And I go, Oh, wait a minute. I go, Oh, Jack, actually that's yours. He's like, what? Really? And he grabs it and he opens it up and he's like, yeah, Xbox One, it's awesome. And it's so fun. I love that. But that's that whole idea that if your eyes are generous, and a great example is like that on Christmas, it is not about me. I don't care what I get. I love the idea that I found something I think you'll like. Crack it open. We'll love it together, right? And that's that idea. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, and the word there is stingy. If your eyes are stingy, your whole body will be full of darkness. And that's where, again, he's keeping the conversation about this when he says, no one can serve two masters. Either they will hate the one and love the other, or they will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. It's that reminder. Where is my treasure? Do I reflect the heart of my heavenly father? And, and then the, the other part that, that matters here is this. As Jesus is teaching this idea that we ought to be givers, what I love about giving is this. It breaks a spirit of greed in our lives. That when we give to something beyond me, myself, and I, what I want and where I'm going in my life, it really does break greed. And that's where, going back to Randy Alcorn's comments, the act of giving is a vivid reminder that it's all about God, not about us. It's saying, I am not the point. He's the point. He doesn't exist for me. I exist for him. And giving is joyful surrender to a greater person and a greater agenda. The third thing is this, giving adds meaning to our money. When we give to things that are eternal, something that furthers the work of God, reveals the heart of Jesus to the world that we live in and the mission of God. As we've said over and over in this series multiple times, yes, you and I will be judged someday, not only for, for what we did with Christ, which will be the first, but the second will be, what did you do with all that you were a steward of? And we've talked about physical health last week, and we've talked about the relationships God gives us, and we've talked about our ability to serve others and esteem them above ourselves, and we talked about prayer and 
reading scripture, but this is part of that conversation. And I love that, that here at the Grove Church, even as I said two weeks ago, we get to celebrate 28 baptisms. And in 2018, we baptized over 130 people. We had over 400 people give, give their lives to faith in Christ last year. Throughout the year, we, we work on certain ways that we can partner with our community, that they can see the love of Christ, not just inside these walls, but through things like fight hunger with the Marysville Food Bank. Things like helping families during Christmas, with, with, with always having in mind and helping single parents and, and widows. And uh, we refuse to allow kids to miss camp if money's an issue. We always say we will not allow money to be the reason a kid can't go to camp this summer. And you'll hear about that as we get towards June and camps are coming. All these things that, that we want to make a difference and help serve. We take on service projects through iHeart in, in this year in July to help people see the love of Christ through you and I going out and making a difference throughout our county in serve projects. We even go overseas and invest in eternity as we've done in Panama. The Dominican Republic is this November to a trip to the Philippines to work with an orphanage and make a difference, which little side note just for a second here. We have an auction coming up in March that, man, I would encourage you to think about being a part of. Come in to be generous and go, man, what can I do? Because what's going to happen is our goal is we want to raise 40,000 bucks for the next three trips in a row to help fund the work we're going to do at the orphanage in the Philippines and uh, in the Dominican Republic through different clinics. And then also in Panama, which we believe is our, our kind of final trip at the end of the, the uh, in, in 2020 and, and looking to raise the money to make that happen. And I would encourage you, think about being a part of the auction and, and there's Tickets in the lobby, and I know it's a pitch, but there you go. It adds meaning to our money. I love there's a parallel that Randy Alcorn makes in, in this book that I really thought was worth bringing up, and it goes like this. I'm just going to read this. Imagine you're alive at the end of the Civil War, and you're living in the South, but you're a Northerner. You plan to move home as soon as the war is over, and while in the South, you've accumulated lots of Confederate currency. Now suppose you know for a fact the North is going to win and the war, win the war and, and the end is imminent. What will you do with Confederate money? If you're smart, there's only one answer. You should immediately trade in your Confederate currency for U.S. currency, the only money that will have value once the war is over. Keep only enough Confederate currency to meet your short-term needs. There's nothing wrong with Confederate money as long as you understand its limits. Realizing its value is temporary should radically affect your investment strategy. And then he says this, to accumulate vast earthly treasure that you can't possibly hold on to for long is equivalent to stockpiling Confederate money even though you know it's about to become worthless. See, giving adds meaning to, what, uh, to our money. The fourth thing is this, giving is a tangible expression of our faith. Paul refers to it as the grace of giving. He, he talks about in different ways in 1st and 2nd Corinthians, the Macedonian church, who he says was destitute financially, was struggling financially, and yet what welled up inside them was, he says, extreme generosity because it was an expression of their faith, of their trust in God. This goes back to the original principle of life multiplied, where we've said, Jesus says, I've come that you may have life and have it abundantly. And just like with reading scripture, or prayer, or serving others, logically, we have less time for other things, but in reality, we believe God multiplies our time and gives us more of what really matters. In the same way, when it comes to you and I investing in eternal things, we have more of what really matters. 
See, I'm not the perfect example, but I remember learning early on as a follower of Christ to, to, to tithe and to give generously and to do what I could. And, and, and I always have done that. And I think back to all of the things I've learned along the way, but I can remember, and again, it's a cheesy example, but I ended up having like a really nice BMX bike. And of course, as you get to 18, 19, 20, you're driving, the bike just sits there. And at one point, I remember like, man, I love my bike, but there, I knew there was a family in our church and Christmas was coming. And I remember that, that they had a kid who I think was 11 or 12. And I remember thinking, I just want to give him the bike. And so I remember one day I, you know, found out where they lived and brought it over and, and just said here, and it wasn't a big fanfare, just gave it to him. And then I learned a few weeks later that, that somehow the bike got stolen. And I remember at first going, what? Like, what, do you not take care of it? What is the deal? And I remember feeling frustrated. And, and that was followed by the next thought, and I believe it was the Holy Spirit going, it wasn't yours. You're a steward of it, but it wasn't yours. You gave it, and whatever happens to it is not your problem. You did what you were called to do. And, and honestly, not to make myself out, but my attitude changed. And ironically, a couple of years later, I had a pretty nice mountain bike, and of course, I was driving and had a bike just to enjoy going out to the hills or whatever, and somebody I knew needed transfer transportation from their apartment to their workplace, and they didn't have any wheels. And so I remember letting them borrow my mountain bike. It was a nice bike. And so they borrowed it, and honestly, it wasn't long after that, they kind of just faded out and disappeared. And I remember like, I wonder whatever happened, like, what's going on there? And six, seven months later, all of a sudden, I'm in a room with this individual, and they sheepishly come up to me and go, hey, how you doing? Just want to say, hey, um, you remember that bike that you let me borrow? Yeah, I got stolen. And my immediate response was not like, how dare you? My response was, hey, here's the deal. I don't need you to, to, cause he actually say, in the same sentence, he says, I'll, you know, pay you back. I remember saying, it's, it's fine. I don't care. It is what it is. It, it, it was, it was mine to steward and I let you borrow and it's all good. You don't need to worry about paying me back. And again, not that I'm so perfect, but it's that idea that, you know what? I, I'm just a, a manager. And if I let someone borrow whatever and that's what happens to it, all right, Lord, I, I don't understand. I, I, what I love, though, is that being a tangible expression of our faith is trusting, as you've maybe heard different individuals say, as we set aside a sum to invest in eternal things, it's fun to watch what God can do to multiply what's left. And I love that even in this room, there's story after story of going, hey, we're going to trust God and we're going to take this step. And it's so fun to watch what happens as God does provide in amazing ways. And, and it's not that, and I want to be careful, it's not that we give to get because there's people that would say, hey, sow seed today and give this much today. And within two weeks, you're going to see a windfall. And you watch certain television programs or, or it gets manipulated in certain ways. We don't give to get. We give to live generously. And whatever God does to prolong things in our, you know, our vehicle works longer, whatever. We have a, a, a washer and dryer in our house that we got right after we were married. And they're still going. And there's days where you're like, is this ever going to quit? You know? But honestly, like last night, I actually went in to, to make sure these jeans were dry for today, and I opened the dryer, and they were half dry. And I'm like, oh, no, it kicked the bucket, you know? And then I opened the lint thing, and there was like a whole sweater in there. Like, oh, that's, that's what's going on. But anyway, but it's that thing where, you know what? Sometimes what it is is God can prolong certain, you know, our vehicles lasting longer than we might have thought or other stuff. Or, or It's amazing to watch what God can do. We don't give to get. But as we exercise our faith, it's fun to watch God meet us and take care of us. Giving is a tangible expression of our faith. Now, I want to read, and there's a few different spaces or verses in the New Testament that talk about this, but I want to share this verse, 1 Corinthians 9, if you're taking notes, verses 6 through 11. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. 
Whoever sows generously um, will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. Verse 10, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. And I share that not because we go, okay, give and watch what God will do. And it's like a heavenly slot machine, ching, 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 everything lines up and look at this, all I got. It's not that, but it is a principle that as you and I walk by faith and trust God, even with our giving, that it's cool to see what God can do to multiply that. Not that we give for that motive, but Paul is talking about a principle that does happen. Now, let me, let me end with this. The fifth, fifth thing is this. It takes resources to do what we do. And I know this is super practical, but the, but the simple fact is this. As, you know, we have lights in this room and heat and we have space or, you know, we, we uh, have people who get to put notes together for stuff like this. And again, career, whatever, that we get to do this. We get to help people take steps in their faith and celebrate things like baptism or train up leaders and disciple the church body and organize outreach opportunities and look for ways to help transform communities. All of these things take resources. And, and just to be honest with you, the fact is, we say all the time, it takes all of us for we to win. That this is really about, Lord, what would you have each of us do? What step would you have each of us take? Because we are all in this together. And the, the fact is this, the work of God has always been provided for through the giving of God's people. You go back to the Old Testament and even the time of David, and you see David says, hey, I'm going to lead the way, and here's what I want to do, but, but what is everyone else going to do? We're all in this together. But going back even further into Leviticus and in Deuteronomy, multiple different times in those verses, as the law is being established, it says, hey, the people of Israel, everyone is called to set aside a tenth of their increase of what they get to, to further you know, God's work. And, and there was tabernacle and, and Levites and priests and all this stuff, and it was always that way. And then you get further into the Old Testament of the prophetic books and Malachi says, hey, you're, you're, you're robbing God. And the people go, well, how? And he says, well, in giving, in, in tithes and offerings, you're, you're not doing what you're called to do. We encourage you to do that. And so that's where it was established and the work of God was always provided for through the people of God. Then you get to the New Testament and many people have had these conversations and I wanna encourage you with this. In the New Testament, You and I were, yes, set free from from the Old Testament law. You and I were set free through the work of Christ to not be bound by the law. And so there are people that would say, here's the deal. I am not bound to the tithe anymore because I'm free in Christ. And I would say, great, I'm glad you believe that. That's awesome. At the same time, that's not an excuse to get out of providing for the work of God. We're all called to be part of providing for eternal things through the work of God. And so we're all in this and are encouraged through the Holy Spirit to be generous. If you do a study, and for the sake of time, we can't today, but if you do a study of generosity and giving in the New Testament, what you'll honestly see is, yes, everybody's in it together. And in in all transparency, they are giving far above 10%. And that's not to say, hey, here's what you better do, people. It's to remind us all that if we say the tithe isn't New Testament, that's not an excuse to get out of giving. 
It's in fact a challenge that you and I listen to the Holy Spirit about what does it mean for us to live generously and invest in eternity. Once again, I say this, it takes all of us for we to win. So what now? Where do we go from here? And I wanna, I wanna provide uh, something for you just to sort of see visually. And what I wanna do is I wanna invite you to consider taking a step. And I want you to join us in a movement where it's cool to see what God's doing. And it's fun to be able to go, hey, we can actually financially, financially viably look at Snohomish as a campus a year ago when that came our way. We can continue to look at what God's doing here to expand what's happening through Marysville. We can look up north and go, hey, what does it look like to have a campus up there? What does it look like to put things together to continue to serve our communities because of the resources that, that we're all in together? But I want to show you just a simple way to sort of see this. And, and uh, we say the Grove Church generosity ladder. And it goes like this, 7598 to Glacier. Let's start there, okay? But the second thing is, no, just kidding. Okay, at the bottom, it says this, first time. And maybe you're in that window where you go, you know, I, I've never given. And it's about you taking that step. Maybe you're in that occasional. I, I give to the mission of the Grove Church, but not consistently. You know, every now and then I put something in or whatever, and, and that's great, taking that step. But then another step, what if you are consistently giving to the mission of the Grove Church? And maybe you go, well, it's less than 10%. It's not, I'm not gonna get into the 10%, whatever. I'm just gonna remind us what, it would, what would it look like to take a step and consistently give to the mission of the Grove? Or you get another step, tithing. You know what, I wanna get to the place where I can give 10% of my income to the mission of the Grove Church. What does that look like for you? And then finally, when we talk about irrational, I give beyond tithe to the mission. And that's where, like, as we tithe and we say, hey, every kid to camp, what can we do? Hey, we want to partner with the food bank and, and work with Fight Hunger. Hey, we want to help make sure Christmas is provided for, for any families that we're aware of that could use that. What, what would it look like? I'm not here to, to dictate where you're at. But I'm simply asking all of us, what step would we take? What does it look like for you personally? What does it look like for you and your spouse to talk about this, pray about this, for you to take a step and go, let's all be in this together? Father, today, my prayer is, is again, this isn't, Lord, manipulation. It's about realizing, God, we are stewards. It's about realizing that we reflect your heart. It's about understanding, God, that, that, Lord, giving is an act of faith. But as we give towards things that are eternal, it, it's a reflection of, of where we want our heart to be. And God, just practically, it's how we do what we do as a church to make a difference in the world that we live in. So my prayer is that your spirit would work in, in each of our hearts. God, whatever step it is that we could take, that we're invited to go, hey, how do I do what you call me to do, Lord? And this is part of life multiplied. Help us live it out in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Marysville Sermon Podcast. If you want to keep up with us, like us on Facebook, Instagram, or visit our website at grove.church.